Good morning and welcome to an other episode of The Week in CSGO with me, your regular host Tim Masters and our regular NACSGO expert, Dr. Waldo. How are you this morning, Waldo? I'm good. Thank you for having me as usual. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. For those who are just wondering, by the way, Waldo is currently on location looking after a precious animal. So if you happen to hear any noises in the background, uh, he's just finding a new way to skin a cat, I understand. So <laughs> this week, it's all about ECS Season 7 Finals from London. I've got to be honest, coming into this event, one of my main thoughts was, I can't wait for ESL Finals in Montpellier. I can't wait for ESL 1 Cologne, because this just didn't look very Tier 1 to me, you know? Vitality, Furia... What, what possible chance can teams like this have in a tournament where Astralis are there? Hell, MIBR are going to embarrass these players, right? Wrong. As it turned out, ECS Season 7 was one of the most interesting events we've had in some time. Not <laughs> least because of the fact that it's one of the first events Astralis have attended in some time. But yeah, let's, let's get into it. So, I feel like before we get into the really big storylines, I just want to let Waldo do his thing and tell us what he thought about the run of complexity gaming, and particularly Oboe, at ECS Season 7 Finals. Because I think it's fair to say, while complexity didn't maybe have the result that they wanted, Oboe certainly impressed a few people with his talent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, any time that you can be 15 years old, make your professional debut at an event, and post the 8th highest rating at the event, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. Um, I think it's one of those things that, you know, we don't really know for sure how long the team has been together, um, you know, based on, you know, videos from Complexity um, that they've got kind of giving us a look. Um, we kind of know when Stan made his decisions, but we don't really know how soon after Stan made those decisions. Um, Oboe was in and working with the team. Mm -hmm. um, Dev is the one calling the shots now as the IGL, and I think he did pretty well to... Um, I want to echo that. I think he did a fantastic job. Also, you could tell he was really working hard to build up Oboe's confidence in the, like in all interviews. He was very keen to talk up Oboe's play. Yeah, and I think that's important, especially for a young player like that who's trying to kind of figure everything out. Um, I think that it's one of those things that is just kind of key. You have to give them realistic expectations. You have to give them critiques. You have to give them um, all of the things that the online CSGO community is going to give them and tear them apart. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, especially in Oboe's case, he's still a kid and he needs a little bit of that hand-holding. He needs a little bit of that um, confidence. You've got to gas your players. It's a COD term, but you've got to gas your players. When someone does something good, you've got to make them feel like it. And Absolutely. I also want to say, I think Obo actually was the seventh best player because Zywoo, frankly, was a different level to everyone else. And it's not fair <laughs> to compare anyone to what Zywoo was doing in that tournament. But, um, yeah, I just want to echo that. Obo, and it's not just the ability, because like, with the best one in the world to Obo, I've you know, Cirque, Zaiwu, even Kierby. There's loads of players at this tournament who we know have insane ability and have shown us like insane levels. Breezy's another great example. You know, but 
like you said, 15 years old. Like, this is still a, a, a kid. He's not able to drink in America. There are plenty of places in America he can't have sex if he just legally wants to. He's not able to drive in America. He can't even drive a car. He's only only 10 years ago he was legally allowed to use a gun in America. But um, it's one of those situations where he really is like a boy amongst men and proving that one of the great things about CSGO, it doesn't matter how old you are, how bad you are, how big your beard is, Forrest. Like, if you're 15 years old but you've got that game skill, I think you're going to make it. And I honestly think complexity... I did spend a lot of time... I've obviously heard more than once Waldo tell me that complexity had been kind of grooming this kid in the best possible sense of the word to be a star of the future, and it looks like that was time well invested. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I don't see any way up, but up from here. And obviously there are a lot of, as we've seen with Brax and other great young players from America, there are a lot of pitfalls along the way. But it's a more professional time. It's a more professional environment for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and I think, well, I, think, I think that this could have been a very different look. If Complexity had drawn anybody else in the first round, who knows what they could have done at this tournament. Because... Quite frankly, if they didn't run run into, you know, vitality as many times as they did, they were the only team that they lost to at this event, and vitality beat everybody. Mm. So, I I don't think that this is a bad result for complexity by any means. I don't no. think anyone expected them to come in and do anything with this brand new lineup, with all of the recent changes. Pretty much every other team here has been established for quite some time they're set in you know they're set in their ways they're set in their team roster however you want to do it and um not only that but a lot of these teams are kind of on the upswing right i mean we've got furia vitality i mean you'd um, argue north are on the upswing at this point as well I'm absolutely i mean period. Yeah, Hoogie is finally turning into the op that he was always supposed to be on Optic and just couldn't be because it was Optic. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think that it's one of those things that, um, you know, it's 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 a very impressive result, in my opinion. I mean, any they event... Beat, they beat MIBR in the best of three. I know MIBR aren't the team they used to be, but yes. the, the intimidation factor alone for a 15-year-old playing against Coldzera, Fur, and Fallen should be there and just clearly wasn't so nope he did not give a crap at all and the best part about that game if you look at his stat line mm. um he was plus 17 and almost 70 kills across three maps Ooh. so i mean those are some those are no rookie numbers i mean when you're yeah when you called zero yeah by seven frags yeah so um Pretty he had almost stuff he had almost 180R in a best of three against them. Ooh. Let's so. see if he can do it against tier one teams now, as I said on Twitter. Corralho. <laughs> um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the fans of the second best team in Brazil right now. But that's the way <laughs> it has to be because there is a new there is a new best team in Brazil. Um, there's a, there is a really – if you love Furia, and I've got to say I love Furia, if you love Fury, there is a scary ass picture on Reddit today, which is five guys, all of whom play for Fury, and one guy who's called Fallen. And they've all taken a selfie together. And uh, the Reddit title for this picture is Rip Fury. 
<laughs> and I really hope this team doesn't get torn apart and become the MIBR farm squad. I think probably the most likely thing to save them from doing that is the fact that MIBR invested quite a lot of money in the current five-man lineup, and they're going to be quite hard to sack for. But yeah, I I could say realistically there are three, if not four, people in MIBR right now that don't look like they're getting the Fury team. Um, so yeah, that I guess that's where we need to go to next is the opening match of the tournament. I, I I'm really I don't know if I want to say I'm happy or not, but there's some small Schadenfreude-filled part of me that really enjoys the fact that Waldo went so deep with his predictions last week. Because he went really deep with his predictions, and they all started with Astralis beating Fury in round one. Um, I think, I'm not going to lie, I would have said the same thing. I had Astralis to win the tournament. But yeah, it didn't work out. And, you know, I think we all thought when that happened, best of one, you know, these things happen. You know, the best of threes will show that Astralis is still the best team, but it didn't happen for them. So, yeah. I guess I this, think is, this is the place. So, Astralis lost to Furia. Twice. Uh, twice. You know, once in the best of three as well. Let's and not twice forget. on Nuke. Yeah, twice on. I think it's fair to say if you don't play Nuke for three months, you're not going to be as good at Nuke. It's just the way yeah. it goes. And Astralis either have to make a decision where they go back to banning Nuke or they go back to playing Nuke again. But. They have that decision to make. So Astralis, just before we go into what happened there, Astralis lost. They did. They did beat NIP um, at ECS season seven finals. I think everyone at that point thought, "Well, this is it." You know, the analyst desk all came back and said Astralis are going to 2-0 or 2-1 Furia. Um, but over the last, let's say, you know, since over the last few months, Astralis have lost to. They've lost to Ents a number of times. They've lost to Furia a number of times. They've lost to Liquid, obviously. Uh, and I think, for me, and FaZe, it does seem like there is a, more than just a, a ring rustiness to Astralis. It seems like there is something fragile that didn't used to be there about this team. Yeah. Uh, I said it on Twitter myself, are Astralis only Astralis until they get to 14 rounds? Uh, so do, do you think we, the king is really dead, or... Are you still struggling to truly convince yourself that Astralis don't come roaring back and take the major? Um, I think it's probably the latter for me, and here's why. Um, particularly on Nuke, I remember we had a conversation, and it's, it must have been months ago now, mm. but we were trying to figure out who would end the Astralis Nuke streak. Yep. And when we talked about that, we talked about a team that would come in and play a looser style that Astralis would not be able to, you know, force into their system. Mm -hmm. We talked about a team that would force Astralis to play their version of Nuke and not allow Astralis to dictate what they wanted them to do. And I will say, Ents is a much more structured team, in my opinion. And it makes it all the more impressive that Ents was able to beat Astralis on Nuke with structure, with, you know, set plays, with just purely outplaying Astralis. And I think that there's a lot of credit to be had there to Ents. But Furia is that team that we thought could be Astralis's kryptonite. They play loose Counter-Strike with quick mid-round calls, that just keep things chaotic and 
they do not fit the Astralis system at all. The Astralis system cannot contain Furia's playstyle. And I think that Furia is the team that we kind of talked about all along being capable of beating an Astralis on Nuke because they weren't going to try to outstrap them. They were just going to try to, you know, confuse them, basically. And they just got overwhelmed twice. I mean, Astralis kept it close and respectable, but you know what? At the end of the day, if somebody gets to 16 before you, you lose. So um, it's just one of those things that I think um, I'm not necessarily freaked out for Astralis at this point. Um, And that's mostly because I think that Furia is the kind of team that should have beaten Astralis all along on Nuke. And I think that if anything, this will make Astralis realize, okay, well, we're not invincible on Nuke. Maybe we need to, maybe we do need to consider banning it a little bit more. Maybe we do need to, you know, look at our map pool and see if we're really happy with where it's at right now. But um, I do still have faith that Astralis will kind of bounce back from this. I don't know if they're going to go back to their world beating form and sit on top of the rankings for over a year, but um, I do think that they're kind of in a lull right now and part of it's their own doing. I mean, when you skip so many events with tier one competition, I mean, there's only so much you can do in the practice room and it's, yeah, I tend to agree with that. Although as I, I do think, I feel like I point this out every time we shouldn't forget Dupree's dad died during the last major. We, yeah. we shouldn't forget that they are all human beings that are trying to like lead their own lives and there have been yeah. decent reasons why they would have taken some time off this year. Absolutely. I do think you're right, though. We do have to start questioning, is their return to, let's say, at least the top two in the world inevitable? Um, they aren't losing. They aren't, they're not losing to pure puppy scrimmy style. It's not like they're going on Dust 2 and getting banged out by five guys. Like, Furia had a plan on Nuke. It was just a plan that Astralis didn't have an answer for. And um, I feel like that is going to be, like you say, it's the practice room. It's going to be a case of a combination of the practice room. It's going to be Montpellier. It's going to be Cologne. But I think right now, I don't know if I would put money on Astralis to beat Vitality, let's say. And I don't think Vitality, Vitality are currently fourth in the world. I don't think they're the strongest fourth place team we've seen in the world. But I feel like every single week we say this is the worst top 10 or top five or whatever we've seen for a while. So. Yeah, Astralis didn't make it through. Nip also didn't make it through. I think Nip and Astralis both just pointed for different reasons to not go through Group A. The real surprise for me in Group A was NRG. Um, we've talked a lot about where NRG are going, the players they've managed to secure, and the fact that Tarek's signing hasn't really been the, the, the panacea that they were expecting. But yeah, we're at a point now where NRG at least can look back on ECS Season 7 Finals and know that they beat Astralis and Nip in the group stages. Mm-hmm. They did then get absolutely battered by Vitality. Um, but yeah, I think NRG are a team that can come over from this uh, feeling pretty happy about themselves going into the next few events. Um, and I think Daps is probably breathing a sigh of relief that he's finally proven that he actually can do something with what is a very talented five-man group. Absolutely. I've got to I say, that... actually looking at it, just to, when I was looking at it, so I was looking at your tournament, I like Daps. But if you actually looked at this five-man team, he's the only one you can cut now because the actual level of talent, Ethan and Breezy are extremely good players and then Cirque and Tarek are the stars. So Daps is kind of in a Carrigan situation where if he doesn't make it work, 
There's only right. one possible head on the chopping block. Right, and especially now with another, you know, Stanislaw. another capable, yeah, exactly, another capable in-game leader floating around NA. Um, that's something that you know you've got to be wary of, and I think with results like this, NRG kind of has a tough decision to make because this is once again they're showing that ECS showed all of us that they are capable of high-level Counter-Strike. It's just the consistency that's always been their problem. And I think that if we can start to see results like this again, um, you know, going into the major cycle, things like that, I think that that will bode well for Daps keeping his job and the lineup not changing. But that being said, um, you know, there is a decent argument for Stan kind of helping getting the most out of Tarek. Um, and we'll see what happens. But I think Daps did himself a lot of favors this weekend. Yeah, I agree there's a very good argument for Stan. The flip side of that is we don't know if Breezy, Cirque, and Ethan are going to play to this level under any endgame leader or if mm-hmm. Daps has also been crucial to their development. Because I think Daps is quite a unique in-game leader in that he's relatively softly spoken um, and he doesn't instantly come off as like you know, a sporting superstar in the way that maybe a you know Caldera has evolved into a kind of a, a personality and they're you know fallen someone who Daps doesn't have that same like instant instant uh, charisma which isn't an insult to Daps he's, right. more, he's, he's more of a quiet unassuming kind of guy but I do feel like he does bring something new to the table and I also feel like as much as I do respect Stanislaw, I would feel very bad for Daps if he were sacked for a guy whose record doesn't stack up to his over the last year or so. Um, but that's NACS go. Sometimes what you did a few years ago matters a lot more than what you're doing now. So Absolutely. we make it to the semifinals. As we've already said, Vitality and NRG was... It was a good game for Vitality, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but... It, it was one of those where I don't know if there's a huge amount to say about the game because I don't know. I feel like Vitality were not not necessarily a class above, but they, they definitely showed there's a level that they reached here that probably other teams aren't going to be able to match at all times. Um, yeah, I think I think that it's one of those one of those things where you knew where the series was going to go after Energy scored their lead on overpass. Right? I mean. They, they just didn't get it done when it mattered most. And started the match ten five. For those who didn't yep. watch it, reversed five ten on the other side. Didn't manage to get around in overtime. Yeah. So um, momentum is such a part of Counter Strike, and I think they just did not. I don't know. I just had a feeling that it was going to go going into that second map, despite the fact that it was. Um, I believe Mirage was Energy's pick, and I just, for whatever reason, just did not believe that they were going to be able to kind of deal with Zywu. And I just, turned out to be the case. He was plus sixteen yeah. on overpass. He was plus fourteen on Mirage. Uh, in fairness to him, Breezy went absolutely ham on overpass. Went plus fourteen himself with ADR of one hundred and four point six. Mm-hmm. Any other series, that would be comfortably good enough to be the MVP. But yeah, Zywu with that 110 ADR on overpass and 108 ADR on Mirage. Yeah. I feel like we saw a little bit of French simple here. Where Zywu just said, yeah, you guys are good, but I'm better. 
and uh, yeah. that is kind of what it boiled down to. I, I don't think the second series, the North versus Furia, was the same thing at all. There was definitely yeah. an argument for saying that Art and K. Serato carried games respectively, but it was more of a team effort there, I think. Um, I don't know yeah. how much. How much did you see of North, and what were your thoughts on the North project? I know you mentioned Yugi, but yeah. I just want to ask the other question: Is there anything Valder can't do in CS:GO? I, I'm. If he picked up an orc tomorrow, would he be top five in the world in three months' time? Probably. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I'm. I'm so impressed with him, right? Mm. Because, I mean, if you look at it. And I would say, rightfully so, somebody who shared their opinions about Group A going into this, you might have gotten the wrong two teams coming out of that group. And for Group B, you probably would have gotten at least one of them wrong as well. And I think that that's not necessarily so much an indicator of the best or the teams that we thought were the best coming in playing as poorly as it was that the teams that weren't supposed to, you know, to win, to do all of this were just on another level. And um, you mentioned um, art carrying, and that was a huge part of um, that semifinal was absolutely looking class in Mm. the bathroom position on overpass. I don't think I've seen a better performance this year um, in that position, and he just absolutely owned it. Well, you know um, who used to do good stuff, stuff Fallen used to be the good god of that area, you know? So yeah, it's interesting so. to see. The other thing I think, are in terms of things we haven't seen, I must admit my experiences of watching AWP players' entry frag are fairly limited. But <laughs> there were definitely times where I feel like Art was going in first. Uh, yeah. And it, it's it's... It's unexpected. It's unexpected, to say the least. Um, and in the final, with the best one in the world, he did He did struggle a little bit. He was coming up against, I think, a Vitality team that has... I think they've, they've kind of built to this point. There, there was a lot of criticism of them, you know, for the, for the early parts of their, um, of their time together. People said, you know, why is the... Why is this team that has so many amazing names, you know, NDK, Apex, even RPK at the time was a lot of very respected player? Why mm-hmm. is it so terrible? You know, the, the replacement of Happy with Alex seems to have made a difference. But um, it felt to me like, as much as these two teams were very well balanced in terms of their ability, with the exception of Zaiwu, probably just the occasion got to uh, Furia in the final. Would you, would you agree with that, or do you think it was more complex? Um, yeah, I think more than anything, it was, um, I think that, I mean, we were just talking at the very beginning of Mm. having like 70 kills against, um, MIBR over three (laughs) maps and talking about how great that was for him as a 15 year old. So I was not that much older and he had almost as many kills in just two maps. Yeah. Um, so I think that we are watching a very, like, I don't know, a a simple, like, player with, in my opinion, a top-to-bottom better 
supporting cast. That's a really um, excellent point. One point eight one, by the way, which is racing for the final series. Yeah. Simple numbers indeed. So I think that I not I do think that of between Navi and um, Vitality right now, I would argue um, Navi probably still has the best or the third best player, um, which I would say is Electronic. Um, but other than that, I think that Vitality would have an advantage against Navi at this point, just because top to bottom, I think that um, you know their yeah, teams. Yeah. Quality of players. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Boomich coming in is going to make a difference to potentially make a difference to Navi, but I think given Boomich's record, given his use's record, there's no assumptions we can make there. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, it's simple. He's probably still a better player than Zyri right now, and you'd have to expect that. But the, the fact that we're even having that conversation when for such such a long time simple has been clearly the best. Like, it's not even been close. Clearly the best. Now, the point I want to make, of course, is that. Excuse me. Vitality didn't play at a tier one tournament here. Zywu in Montpellier and Cologne is what I'm really looking forward to, but I now see no reason to doubt that he will do it. I'm, I, basically, my position has changed where previously it would be let's see if he can do it at LAN, and now I'm basically saying I expect him at Montpellier and Cologne to do it. Now, obviously, because of his age, there's still a possibility he's going to have some difficult times. We've seen you know, even the best players in the world have had bad tournaments, but like you say, the, the supporting cast around him, and I don't I don't want to get too patriotic here, but it is lovely to see a British guy winning Counter-Strike tournaments, because it's been a <laughs> long, long time. Well, let's talk about it, because Alex, I mean, in his own right, if he wasn't on a team with Zywoo, he been a contender for MVP of this tournament. I don't know if it was the fact that he was playing in front of the home crowd or what, but he was popping off. He had a 1.48 and... in that final series, uh, over a 50% headshot ratio. He was. He was doing it. He was doing it, and he was doing it hard to Furia, and there wasn't a lot they could do about it. And he apparently has been calling on the T side, which uh, <laughs> there were some interesting calls. I'm not going to lie. There were some interesting calls in that series. There was a couple of rush bees that I just thought, what? But as Smoolia said, you know, UK CSGO is its own thing. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just, you can you was, can say that about, you know, the shot calling from the other Brit um, in the tournament. Def, yeah. That calling back-to-back B-rushes to take Mirage. Yeah. Um, They'll never expect it to do the same thing in a row twice. And yeah, they didn't. So they didn't expect it. So, yeah, it was, it was a good tournament. I think you're right, Alex. Yeah, he, he played well. He was a he was a stable influence. He was a calm influence, but he was also a danger, a danger on this team. And I think, in a weird way, I think you know MBK is even Apex, the RPK, they're a wonderful foundation to play off. And I think everyone knew that Zywu was going to be a star, um, providing nothing goes wrong. I mean, obviously, we've seen other players come through with crazy aim and going, like, are they going to make it? And they don't, but. I don't think anyone doubts Zywu has the ability to become world's best players, but I don't think anyone expected Alex to do what he did at this event. And uh, I, th- I think he deserves a lot of credit. But <laughs> it is also one of the situations where I am a little bit sad about the way the MVPs work because I love Zywu and he was clearly a level above everyone at this tournament. But I do think it's a shame that a few of the higher performers, and in particular Vinny on Furia, weren't rewarded for their performances because there were there were games and this is the thing with you know, MVP they tend to reward like 
consistent performance over the whole tournament. But there were games when Vinny just put the team on his back. There were halves when he he just he just made it not look simple, but he he refused to accept defeat. And I think Vinny, we knew about Caserato, we knew about Art to some extent, we knew about Yuri, but Vinny also showed that this this Furrier team is a complete five man lineup and has has talent in every position. Yeah. So um, just wanted to shout him out there. Uh, overall, I think it was a great tournament. Though. Would you? What were your highlights of the event outside of the obvious? Is there a is there a moment we haven't discussed that you'd like to pick out, or a, a team that you think deserves more of a spotlight than we've met, we've given them so far? Um, I think that we've done. I think we've we've done it justice. I believe. Um, I think that that MIBR in North game was something to behold. Um, and I think that it took an incredible amount of focus, um, finished 25, 23 for those of you who aren't aware, um, many overtimes to get that done. And I think that that was a fun game to watch. Uh, I do think that, uh, definitely the end of the, um, complexity MIBR series, if something, um, those last couple calls by depth were absolutely crazy. Um, I still can't believe he did it, and I, even more than I can't believe he did it, I can't believe. Um, I can't believe it worked. That's the one thing about CS:GO that I that, that I kind of fell in love with when I got into the game. There's all this super complex strategizing, and then sometimes someone just goes, "What if all five of us go to the same bomb site and it works?" And then the same thing happens like in the next game. They go, "What if all five of us go to the same bomb site and they get destroyed?" And Henry G goes, "Why have you done that? Why have you gone to the bomb site?" And it's like. Because it's random. It's actually really difficult to know if it's going to work until you do it. And the same strategy can be a complete success one round and a complete failure the next. But, um, yeah. yeah. The other thing, I guess, we'll have a little chat about, because I know we talked about this before. We have the closed qualifier for the EU minor going on. Because what we really need is more stages to making it to the major. There aren't enough fucking stages to make it. Sorry about that. There aren't enough stages to making it to the major already. We need more tournaments. We need more things. So we have the the closed qualifier for the for the Berlin major happening as we speak, and there are a few teams that <clears throat> are in danger of going out. The the one I wanted to highlight at the moment is Virtus Pro. Today are playing. A, I think it's basically a, a you know a decider match for whether or not you you make it into the the qualifier for the minor itself. Yep. So the Versus Pro team is 20% of the Versus Pro team that made it to the previous major finals. You still have, well, is it 20%? I guess Snacks is technically more than 20% of the team, but only on mass. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Snacks. But um, yeah, I, I, I just did, did a little write about this. I've got to say, it's, it is weird watching, um, watching these names, teams like Versus Pro, you know, fail so early. But the flip side of it is, I think, looking at the minor itself, looking at the closed qualifier for the minor, the, the the level of talent is insane at this. Like every team in potential. Obviously, you look at teams like Fnatic, Mouse Sports as the ones that should go through because they're actual professional teams with like full on squads and stuff. North and Optic mm-hmm. maybe, but like you know, Windigo could go out today. Yep. VP. Could go out today, and we know Snatchy and Snacks are good players. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the NA close qualifiers as well because 
I'm kind of low-key starting to think NA is actually producing more talent than the other regions right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those where I I think this this has been a, a cracking tournament. It, how do you feel about the the chances of you know do you, do you think this this is the the level versus pro will find themselves at? They're going to be a we're going to be talking about rather than VP versus Australis, we'll be talking about VP versus Sprout from now on. Or yeah, I mean, in the foreseeable future, it yeah. looks like this is the case. I mean, I don't really, I don't even know if they get past Gamer Legion today, right? I yeah. mean, they Gamer Legions. For those of you who are unaware, is the revamped roster with um, the old pieces of G two, um, along with um, HS Hampus and Nork existence yeah. stream HS Hampus and Nork them and uh, them no chance. Who is Macaulay's in Sticko Crystal and Thomas and I think even Ancient, which is Draken Doppler, Disco Doppler, and Freddie B Rusty and Plopsky are all basically kind of mixed teams trying to find contracts by playing through this qualifier. Right. And I think that that's a fair assessment. I think, um, you know, you've got Ancient versus North. Mm. Um, I wasn't really expecting Ancient to be able to go, but um, everything else pretty much went the way that I would have. I, I can say, with the exception of that one, one series of Ancient kind of coming out on top unexpectedly, I think that everything else kind of went the way that you would expect it to. I'm a little surprised and a little concerned that Big managed to lose a map to Stra- uh, to Sprout, <laughs> but um, we'll see how that all pans out for them. But I um, do think one, yeah, and I do think one um, uh, noteworthy point uh, is Valiance and Company have mm-hmm. been rebranded as crazy, um, so they'll be facing heroic for. Uh, spot today um and i don't really know who's gonna win that match if i'm gonna be perfectly honest because heroic has looked really really good uh recently with mm. the addition of blame f and who's back yesterday i believe blame f. Happy yeah i know he's the biggest boy in csgo he's a big he's he a, big, is a boy. big boy and by the way we're not making a snack show here blame f is genuinely what they call an absolute unit and it's mainly muscle <laughs> The guy, is, the guy spends a lot of time in the gym. He's one of those where, like, if you get up and you're going to shout across the desk at the guy at LAN party, you might think twice about it when it's playing there. Um, also, yeah, Crazy. Not entirely sure what you were thinking there, Valiance. You should probably go back. Valiance is quite a good name. Crazy is terrible. Um, Made even worse by the fact that you replaced the... Yeah, you're not helping anyone with that four, guys. The other point I want to make, and this is... I guess it's a minor point to... Whatever. The Nordavind project, which was much hyped in the wake of Ents, uh, <clears throat> or Ents making it through, seems to have really struggled to get off the ground so far, and they did end up getting 2-0'd by former Valiants, now crazy. Um, so they're playing Tricked today in the... in the, in, a, in what is essentially a, a knockout match. I'm not entirely sure who's on that Trick team. But yeah. um, have you had many chances to see Nordavind recently? Not recently. Um, no. I do think that, and by not recently, I mean not really. Oh, they... Tricked is Hunden's team, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think that um, I could see them pulling off uh, a win today, but the problem is that I can't see them beating 
any team that loses in, you know, the next round of the upper bracket. I mean, whether they get, I mean, the teams that are left in the upper bracket are heroic, crazy, former Valiants, mm. big, fanatic, mouse sports, optic, team ancient, and north. And I think the only team, even if they managed to beat Trick today, I think that they would have to get, you know, Team Ancient. And even then, I don't think that that's a guaranteed win. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's probably the end of the line for them here. But the nice thing about having, you know, a fully national project is that there tends to be a little bit more local support. Um, so they should be able to at least stay together and try to figure things out for at least the short term. Um but I do think that the project has kind of fallen flat. And I think that we can't expect every purely national team communicating yeah. Yeah. their home. I, I think you have to accept also that, you know, as you said, ENSA have things that not every single nationality project has. And for all that they have, you know, they haven't necessarily gone straight to world number one, but there are players like Sergi, um, X7, Alu, on Ensa, who are big game players, who, and in Sergei's case, have the potential to, I think, you know, like Zai, will go to the top 10, maybe even top five in the world. Um, possibly in a more <coughs> um, generic role, because he's not a sniper. But yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to say that, you know, people talk yeah. about the, the team element of Ensa a lot, without really ever acknowledging the fact they also have some extremely talented individuals. And I think that's the same if you look at a lot of these single nationality teams. I, I wrote a while ago that I think the uh, the international super team is a concept that needs to be put to bed a little bit, and I still agree with that. I still, I still believe that, because I think the level of CSGO right now is such that if you have an international super team, you have to live in the same place and you have to train together a lot. That's one of the advantages of like, being all one nationality is you can train together a lot. But... Um, I don't think just having five guys with great chemistry and speak the same language is enough either. You need that fanatic style, furious style, end style where, sure, you've got great chemistry, but you've also got Kay Serato, Yuri and Art, or you've also got Sergei Alu and X7, or you've also got you know, the guys that brought MIBR up. Like, you know, MIBR was an all Brazilian project for a long time under Luminosity and the teams before then, but it wasn't until you find Cold Zero and Fur together and Taco that you create a world-class team. So... Whether Nordavin can do that with the current lineup, whether they need to put together a different, a different yeah, five man, there's definitely yeah. players. You know, Rubino, Tensky, and Chroma, even Hauser, are all talented players. But or know. Rain. Well, that's if... of course the other question, isn't it? That's the real. This is an answer where you could see Rain leaving phase. Everyone would go. They don't even need him. You know, this is an answer, Sunny. Right. This is a team that desperately needs a central superstar, and Rain is def- definitely a central superstar. But um, so. it, it'll be interesting to see. He, ha- he also has the haircut to fit in. They all seem to favour the heavily greased over, swept to the side look. So <laughs> uh, clearly that's what's going on in Norway right now. So I think that wraps up this week. We don't have any anything really massive happening over the weekend, of course. We do have the minor coming fairly soon, though. So all that remains is we thank Dr. Waldo for joining us, as always. Yeah, pleasure being here, and thank you for having me. And Dr. Waldo's cat, of course, who is polite enough to stay quiet during recording, which is I the know, one way she's... our recording is superior to by the numbers, where you can hear Richard Lewis's cat. Um, <laughs> thanks to everyone who joined us listening, and we will speak to you all next time on The Week in CSGO. Oh, 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 oh.